What's up, guys, and welcome to the first episode of A Day in the Life with Jack Hutter. Really excited to be starting this podcast uh, because it's something that I really wanted to do uh, for a long time. I started, I tried to start one once earlier, but it was kind of tough to stick with. Uh, so this time I'm really ready to put in the work, and I'm probably not going to promote this one too much since it's kind of uh, it's all over the place um, until I've completed at least like a few episodes. So if you manage to find this episode right now uh, somehow, then props to you. But without further ado, let's get into it. So this podcast is probably going to cover kind of a lot of things like books, movies, shows, uh, news, maybe politics, maybe some music. But the first thing I wanted to start off this episode with is my New Year's resolutions. So today is January 4th, and so far we're going strong. The first thing um, is fitness, which is kind of basic, but mine is I have an Apple Watch, so I have Apple Fitness. And so my goal is to do the Apple Fitness Plus workouts five days a week. Um, Right now, I haven't gone back to school yet, so I have like time in the middle of the day. But Dayton, a few of my classes got put online. So I actually now have three online and three in person, which is kind of annoying because, you know, we're two years away from March of 2020, but whatever. But I'm going to try and go more in the mornings. And then this is like my first time bulking. I'm going to try and do kind of a clean bulk. And I haven't really done that before, so we'll see how it goes. Um, that, should, that should be interesting. The second New Year's resolution that I'm trying to do is... Listen to this podcast. It's called The Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmidt. And basically what it is is the Bible. He reads the Bible, and he does it every day, 365 days. And we try, and he's going to do the whole Bible in this year. So basically each one is like 20 minutes, give or take a few minutes. And he starts off, you know, the first day, January 1st, a few days ago, was the book of Genesis. It was like chapters 1 and 2. So it's 365 days. That's one thing I'm trying to do. I'm a big podcast guy, obviously, so that is, and I normally haven't done religious podcasts, but I think that is a good one, and it's definitely one. I've only did listen to it for like four days, but I would certainly recommend it. And then my last one is kind of might change. It is to read 12 books. I didn't really read a lot the past year, except until December, when I kind of like kicked it into high gear and I read a few. So that is, um, 12 is the number that I'm shooting for, but that, you know, might change. Okay, so the second thing I want to get into is some of my film recommendations from some of the best movies and worst movies I've seen in the past month or so. Um, So the first one I wanted to talk about was Tick, Tick, Boom. So Tick, Tick, Boom was originally a Broadway musical written by Jonathan Larson. And so in this, it is a Netflix special, and it is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's his first film as a director and it translates that musical into a film and so it stars andrew garfield who plays jonathan larson who's the guy that created and wrote tick tick boom and it also stars vanessa hudgens from a high school musical and basically what it does is it follows the story of jonathan larson who and the musical tick tick boom is basically an autobiography it follows him as he lives in new york city And he's been working on this musical called Superbia, which never gets released. And it 
he's working on it for like seven years and it's it's slowly destroying his relationship with his friends and with his girlfriend he's he's putting so much time into it and it's it's like he's working up towards it and if it doesn't if he doesn't get this it's it's all for a workshop and at the workshop there's these prominent um, producers who decide if they want to buy like the rights or whatever and make this musical into an actual Broadway musical and so it follows that story of, of Jonathan Larson and how he gets his start and if you don't know who Jonathan Larson is he, he's the guy who wrote Rent the musical and I, okay so I saw Rent in Playhouse Square downtown Cleveland and I legitimately laughed halfway through I got the tickets free from a friend and I just thought it was so stupid. I thought it was dumb. And so I didn't feel like I was losing money and I just left halfway through. But now after watching Tick, Tick, Boom, I got it recommended by a friend or something. It might've shown up on my Netflix, like trending now. And I watched it and we see, you get to see why he wrote about rent, like the things, why he put in it, how he knew so many people that were just dying of AIDS and just how differently homosexual people were treated and it's a really really amazing film i actually so i ever after every film i watch i go to letterbox and i rate it and it's just this film review app and this is one of my fives i don't have a ton of fives but this is my five out of five so my favorite uh, songs were therapy 3090 louder than words therapy with vanessa hutchins is you might have you've probably seen a video of it maybe on tiktok or something or youtube the, he, he really you get to see this performance from Andrew Garfield and he, it's up there with the social network I think actually this is his magnum opus it's it's an unreal performance by Andrew Garfield on the other hand the other movie I wanted to talk about was don't look up <laughs> this one I gave a two out of five on letterboxd it has this amazingly star-studded cast Leonardo DiCaprio Jennifer Lawrence Kate Blanchett I think Jonah Hill, oh yeah Jonah Hill Ariana Grande and Meryl Streep and it has this great plot idea. There's Leonardo DiCaprio plays this, this professor from Michigan State. And he has this doctoral student, Jennifer Lawrence, and they're like looking at something and they study astronomy. And they're looking at some satellite image. And they discover that there's this massive, like five to ten kilometer comet coming towards Earth, and it's gonna hit Earth. And it is a th- that size comet is catastrophic. It is an extinction level event. And so basically the film follows Leo and Jennifer Lawrence as they discover this comet and then convince the world and the government that it's coming and they need to do something about it. And so it has a great idea, right? Like that sounds so interesting and it's just, it's so poorly executed satire. It's, it's like this play on like Trump and nepotism, like Jonah Hill plays like the son of the president who Meryl Streep plays. And it's like, I've heard things where they say, oh, you, you just don't like it because you're Republican or you don't understand it. And it's it's legitimately, it's not even like that. It's just poorly executed, poorly written. The only reason I give it a two and not a one is because of Leo DiCaprio's performance. He actually really carries for what it's worth. I mean, the screenplay, the script, it's not, it's just terrible. But Leo DiCaprio, and there's, I saw it was actually, people are saying it's it might be nominated for a best picture which i think is ridiculous but leo dicaprio i still wouldn't give him like a best actor or something but it was really good performance by him but it's carried by the cast and even then it's it's still a two out of five for me and then 
the other film I want to talk about was No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, the third one in Tom Holland's trilogy. This one I gave a four and a half out of five. It is probably my best theatrical experience since Endgame, since the pandemic started. I saw it twice, and I'm going to spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, skip ahead a few minutes. Um, but we get to see kind of a new performance by Tom Holland in this. We get to see like his darker and like a, a more, sa- I guess, sad side to him after he deals with loss. And then, you know, the rumors were true, like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield join in and they all fight these famous Spider-Man villains. And they, instead of just killing them, like they have in previous movies, they have to save, they have to save them and, and send them back to their universes from the multiverse. I think Andrew Garfield, I mean, it's, it's no tick, tick, boom, but he has a good, pretty good performance on like mental health. There's that scene where he's, Peter can't save MJ, like Tom Holland's Peter can't save MJ. And so he jumps off this final fight scene and saves MJ. And there's this like callback to him not being able to save Gwen. And he, he has a good, a good um, role in this. And just the scene where him and, and Toby appear is just classic Marvel where everyone's clapping and cheering. Toby's character wasn't at quite as cool as I think he said too in the script writing he wanted it to be a little basic, but it was kind of interesting. And it, based on the ending, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in future projects, considering you know nobody knows who Peter, Peter Parker Spider Man. So that'll be interesting what they do in the future. Um, based on it, I left the theater not because I had such high hopes. It was hard. It was same th- almost the same thing with Endgame. I had such high hopes that. It couldn't have been perfect. I couldn't have given it a five out of five, but I gave it pretty close. I gave it a four out of five. And then the last film I wanted to talk about was one I saw. It was probably in almost November. I think it might have been November, so more than a month ago, was West Side Story. So this absolutely bombed at the box office. But I think Steven Spielberg did a really good job of kind of switching between genres because he actually directed this one. So him and Rachel Zegler, um, who plays the lead female part, do a great job of portraying the 50s musical and like the fights between the Jets and the Sharks. And I think it's Ansel Elgort that plays um, the male role, but it was uh, it was pretty pretty good movie. I gave it a four. Um, and then I'll get into the books next. Okay, so I ended a little abruptly uh, last segment, but to recap, I gave Tick, Tick, Boom a five, Don't Look Up a two, no Way Home, a 4.5, and then West Side Story, Story I gave a 4. So then the next thing I wanted to talk about is kind of the book equivalent of Letterboxd, which is called Goodreads. And so it's basically a book review app, and it's a little bit more social than Letterboxd, um, but it has reviews of books, the rating system is the same, um, and it's a good way of just finding what's popular and what other people are reading and stuff like that. So the book I'm currently reading is called Learning to Talk to Plants. It is a Spanish novel by Marta Orioles. It's her debut novel. So it's translated into English by someone else, but Marta Orioles is the author. And so it follows the story of this girl who she's, she's not a girl, she's a woman. She's like 42 and she's living in Barcelona and she's a neonatal physician. So she works with um, premature babies that are born. And what happens is she's married to this man named Mauro, and he, they've been together for a while, but 
she finds out that he's been cheating on her. And then later that day, he dies in a car accident. And so it's this dark novel about how she grieves. And it's, it's I guess, the theme of the novel is, it was, is grief. But it's how she responds to the situation. Because it's, it's not like a breakup. It's like a breakup and a death all mixed into one. And so I'm not done. I'm actually, I'm only like 40% done, but so far so good. It's pretty short. It's like 250 pages. I think that's what I'm reading right now. So I'll get back to you guys and what I rate it when I'm done. But then the other two books I wanted to talk about that I read most recently, number, the first one I'll talk about is the Anthropocene reviewed. It's by John Green, same guy that wrote Fault in Our Stars. And so the, the Anthropocene reviewed is it's it's not like other books it's almost a, a collection of essays so each i guess chapter is not that long and each thing is like totally different you could pick up one day and then um restart another day so, so like for example he, he writes it during like the spring of 2020 so he's writing it in the midst of COVID 19 but like one is called plague viral meningitis one is called like indianapolis because that's where he lives and that's where he bases a lot of his stories one of his essays is bonneville salt flats so it's like it's totally different things and i'm skipping to it right now one is penguins of madagascar like the movie and so it's just totally different things but it's like kind of his thoughts on things and his it, it actually made me read the fault in our stars right afterwards but he's really it's just i don't know relatable author I thought, and it, I feel like it, it, it's a good book to read just for anybody because it talks about so many different things that like one of the things is going to be uh, relatable. And then he gives each like idea, like the Indy 500, he'll, for that essay, he'll give it a rating at the end and Diet Dr. Pepper, he'll give that a rating. And so it's pretty cool just to see his thoughts. Um, I guess if I had to rate that one, I'd give it like a, three and a half out of five. I haven't really thought about that one, but that's what I would give John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. And then probably the best book I read recently, and I, this was almost three or four weeks ago, was it's called Escape from Camp 14. So Escape from Camp 14 is this novel written by Blaine Hardin, and it's nonfiction. It follows this man named Shin Dong Hayuk. He is one of the I think he's the only person to have ever been born in a North Korean political prison camp. He's born into the camp. So both of his parents are prisoners and he escapes. He's the only person that's ever been born into one of those camps and he escapes. And so it's the camp he's in is called camp 14. And it's, it's essentially like a gulag. It's terrible. It's this terrible prison totalitarian regime. But it's, it's a different perspective than others because he's born into it. So this is legitimately all he knows. And like other North Korean citizens, I mean, they know other countries exist. Like Shin, who's the main character, he's not – Blaine Harden writes it with his help. But Shin, who's the main character, and it's, it's based on a true story, he – this is all he knows. He, he realizes that – or he explains that – the children that are born to this camp, and it's not an accident. If you if you get pregnant on accident, you're killed. You're tortured and killed. But they 
have they set up certain prisoners to legitimately like breed so that they can continue to work hard labor but he they're taught to tattle and they're taught to be like narcs because that is what they they have to compete for food they'll be beaten like, like his mother and his father he has such a different relationship with them it's not like the way that you think of your mom and your dad he sees his mom as like a competitor for food because they're only given like it's like cabbage and like cabbage water it's like he his life is so dramatically different than ours it's almost incomprehensible and you wouldn't even know people like him exist if it weren't for this book and so the book follows his escape he escapes and i i think it is probably the the best book i've read recently i would definitely give this one out of five i'd give probably a four it's not very long um it's uh i think it's I, it might not even break. I think it's 300 pages, maybe 330 or something like that. Um, oh, no, I was wrong. It's like 270. Okay. And it's just, it's an eye opener. It's an eye opener that these things are happening in our world. So it's called Escape from Camp 14 by Blaine Hardin. Um, I'd give it a four out of five, um, but it's definitely one of the better books I have read recently. All right, so the next thing I wanted to talk about is the Browns. Um, so today is Tuesday the 4th, and they played last night against the Steelers on Monday night. And I didn't want to make this like a sports podcast, but I have to include some sports, and I had to talk about last night. So last night, the Browns lost to the Steelers. They lost 26-14, and it was, as a Browns fan, it was probably one of the most embarrassing losses I think I've seen. And I watched a 1-15 and an 0-16 team play listen to baker baker mayfields and this so today uh kevin stefanski announced he's getting surgery he's not going to play next week week 18 so this may have been his last game as brown listen to the stat line 16 of 38 185 yards two touchdowns two interceptions bad but it's not like the worst you've ever seen right there was one point in the game where he was one of ten and he had a streak of 10 incomplete passes which has not been seen in the NFL since 2019. Stan Darnold, woo. I think I think ESPN said between Baker and Big Ben, who played his final game, and it was terrible watching him win. They had the lowest yards per attempt combined between two quarterbacks in NFL history. It was like three yards per attempt combined. Ben threw 46 passes and finished with 123 yards. I, the, it was a terrible game. T.J. Watt. Locked up defensive player of the year. He probably locked up the record because he only needs one next week to tie it. All I wanted this week, the Browns have already been knocked out. All I wanted is to just ruin Big Ben's final game. And the Browns couldn't even do it. And they couldn't even make it close. At one point, I guess it was it was 14-19. They have this when they of course when they need a quick touchdown, they take this 17 play drive in the fourth quarter. They got bailed out by two pass interference penalties. Not Baker Mayfield didn't do anything. And I don't blame Baker. We all know he's tough. However, the person this, I would, although, although there is blame on Baker, the person I would blame right now is Kevin Stefanski because as football players, as professional football players, 
they're expected to play if they're able to play. As a coach, it is your job to prevent them from playing, even if they're able, if they're going to be a detriment to the team. This is where I think Kevin Stefanski failed this season. Watching this team last night, it was just, it was one of the worst experiences as a Browns fan. I don't know what this QB situation is. I have been one of Baker's biggest believers, and I'm seeing Browns fans like call for him to be injured by TJ Watt so that we can get a better QB. And I don't think other Browns fans understand the situation that we're in right now. Baker, we have one more year where we're not going to pay him a ton. I think it's like $18 million next year. What are your realistic better options? Aaron Rodgers is a free agent. Good luck convincing Aaron Rodgers to come play for the Cleveland Browns. Good luck with that. Russell Wilson is going to be a free agent, or if he's not, there's a possible separation coming in Seattle. However, I think he's like too loyal of a quarterback. I think he's staying in Seattle. Deshaun Watson still has not finalized his legal issues. We'll just leave it at that. Those are the three quarterbacks that I think are guaranteed, without a doubt, better than Baker Mayfield, that are somewhat possible. However, I think none of them are really that realistic. Honestly, I think I think Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson is, of those three, the most realistic. But I give, I give those like maybe a five percent chance of happening. I've heard people say like Derek Carr, or like Kirk Cousins, and then I've obviously I've heard people say we should draft a quarterback, which I just don't think is the right move for this team. Going into the future, we're in a win now mode. We're not in a rebuilding mode. Even though we finish seven and nine, we might finish seven and ten because who knows? I mean, we have to play the Bengals next week. Even without Joe Burrow, I still think we lose. But Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, I don't think either of those guys, or Sam Howell from North Carolina, I don't think any of those guys so, like immediately step in and we win games. I 100% think we're in a win now mode. <sighs> I I'm so frustrated with Kevin Stefanski. Nick Chubb ran four times in the first half. The best player on the offense ran, and we're not even giving him touches. He had 12 touches yesterday. There are there are important some of the most important, I guess you can't say the most important drives of the season because we already have been kicked out, but some of the most important drives of the game. And Nick Chubb is not even on the field. And it's not one play. It's not two plays. It's the entire drive. I am I've reached a new low at with Kevin Stefanski. I don't I'm not calling for him to be fired. But there are definitely some questionable decisions that he made. However, one of the things I want to see him do next week, because they already ruled out Baker, because he's getting surgery, I want to see them start Nick Mullins. And I don't say that as like a joke. I mean it because we know what Case Keenum's, he's had like 60 NFL starts or something like that I saw. We know what his ceiling pretty much is. We know what he can do. Okay, he can win us a game 17-13 against the Bengals if Joe Burrow doesn't play. That doesn't help us. I'd like to see Nick Mullins play. We had got the, he's like had one season in San Francisco where he really got to start. But like I kind of want to see what he could play. Maybe we just we are done with Case Keenum after this year because why make him the highest paid backup in the league when you're still going to start a hurt Baker over him? I'd like to see what Nick Mullins can do. Um, but needless to say, this has been a tough season, and I don't want to get too dragged 
tracked down by the Browns, but it was a it was I'm pretty dejected right now. Um, we'll keep it the the sports at that. Um, the Cavs play later this week. Um, on the bright side, I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the season the Browns are going to miss the playoffs and the Cavs are probably going to make the playoffs? Probably not many people could have told you that. Um, I'm probably going to cut the sports now because I think um, I want to keep this podcast kind of open to a little bit of everything. Um, So we'll get right into the next segment. So to wrap up my inaugural episode, I wanted to give you guys my songs of the week or the songs that I've been listening to recently. And so I have three in mind. The first one is Flower Shops by Ernest and Morgan Wallen. And it's one of Morgan Wallen's slower songs. Um, And it's one of the only few songs he's actually released since Dangerous the Double Album. But it's all about how a bad day for couples is a good day for flower shops. And it's definitely one of, I think, his better songs. Um, It's kind of a big contrast to to Broadway Girls, which is like this country rap mix that Morgan Wallen released. And I don't know, I think it should be his only adventure into that genre. Um, But definitely I would recommend Flower Shops. And then the second song I want to recommend was Snow by Zach Bryan. We just got a fitting because it's all snowy here in Cleveland. Um, and then the third one I wanted to recommend was 3090, which is a musical song. So it's not like you know, your typical song, um, but it's not country. It's from Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's it's probably the best song, in my opinion, from the musical. But it's definitely one that I would recommend you guys give a shot uh, at listening to. I think I heard about Zach Bryan from TikTok. Uh, but he's quickly become one of my one of my favorite country artists and just favorite artists in general. Um, he kind of unlike Morgan Wallen, has he's he's what people consider true country, and I really like that about him. Um, a lot of his are pretty much acoustic, but um, I wanted to finish the episode with this quote. It is from Henry Van Dyke. It says, "To be glad of life." because it gives you the chance to love and to work and to play and to look up at the stars, to be satisfied with your possessions, but not contented with yourself until you have made the best of them, to despise nothing in the world except falsehood and meanness, and to fear nothing except cowardice, to be governed by your admirations rather than by your disgusts, to covet nothing that is your neighbor's except his kindness of heart and gentleness of matters, to think seldom of your enemies, often of your friends, and every day of Christ, and to spend as much time as you can with body and spirit in God's outdoors. These are the little guideposts on the footpath to peace. And so as always, go to the gym, go for a run, do some yoga, go for a walk, read some of that book that's been sitting on your counter, practice some form of self-care today, get enough sleep tonight, and then as always, be kind. I'm Jack Hutter, and this is A Day in the Life.